Well, hello and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. The photographer Eric Kessels has recently put on an exhibition of work um, titled Destroy My Face at the Breda Photo Festival. The exhibition involves algorithms, skateboarders, uh, printouts pasted to the floor, or images of women um, who've had plastic surgery. Many on social media believe it to be hateful towards women. And apologies have been posted uh, by the photographer, I think, and also, I think, by the, um, by the festival. But the apologies that have been posted uh, in response to an open letter, signed open letter to the festival organisers, the responses uh, to the outcry have not been handled well. But what it instantly made me think about was deconstructed photography and why. Why do we need photography to be deconstructed? Are those promoting and making such work actually bored with pure photography? Or are they subverting photography? Or using it as a source material as part of their art? And is art meant to offend, to make its point? Around 1912, Marcel Duchamp, at the time a painter and cartoonist, read Max Stirner's philosophical tract, The Ego and Its Own. The study, which he considered to be a turning point in his own artistic and intellectual development, uh, he called it a remarkable book, which, uh, which advances no formal theories, but just keeps saying that the ego is always there in everything. Duchamp started to paint less and make art science experiments. His submission of Fountain, a urinal, to the Society of Independent Artists exhibit in 1917 caused uproar. Was it art? Is it art? What is art? He posed many questions. Duchamp then created Société Anonymie in 1920, along with Catherine Dreyer and the photographer and artist Man Ray. This was the beginning of Duchamp's lifelong involvement in art dealing and collecting. He embraced the art world from the other side, no longer the maker. The group collected modern artworks and arranged modern art uh, exhibitions and lectures throughout the 1930s, showing work that challenged the status quo and polite society. Kessel's work is not Duchamp's, and the offence caused by his work is not a front, an affront to the art world, but to people's understanding of respect and common decency. I'm not bored by pure photography, but I am by much deconstructed photography, so-called art photography or contemporary art practice, that is too interested, in my opinion, in appearing clever at the expense of understanding what the photographic medium can offer, without clever tricks, without elongated artist statements and pseudo-intellectual nonsense. I don't think it would be too controversial a statement to make to describe PJ Harvey not just as a musician and a songwriter, but as an artist. And one of her collaborators in her art is the guest this week who we welcome to explain what photography means to him. It's Seamus Murphy, who grew up in Ireland and is now based in London. 
He's the recipient of seven World Press Photo Awards for his photographic work in Afghanistan, Gaza, Lebanon, Sierra Leone, Peru and Ireland. Seamus received the World Understanding Award from POYI in the USA for his work from Afghanistan. And a film he made based around this work was nominated for an Emmy and won the Liberty in Media Prize in 2011. His work has been published and exhibited widely. He's made films for The New Yorker and Channel 4 Television in the UK. And he's the author of four books, including A Darkness Visible Afghanistan in 2008 and I Am the Beggar of the World in 2014. Seamus has collaborated with PJ Harvey on her projects Let England Shake and The Hope Six Demolition Project, two albums I really recommend you check out. Anyway, he won a Q Award for Best Music Film uh, in 2016 with that work, and Murphy and Harvey collaborated on The Hollow of the Hand, published in 2015, a book of his photography and her poetry. An exhibition and live presentation of the Hollow of the Hand work took place at the Royal Festival Hall in London in 2015 and at Le Recontre d'Alle in France in 2016. His latest book, The Republic, is an immediate and personal portrait of Ireland and was exhibited at the Little Museum in Dublin in 2017. It's a bit like asking someone to describe love. You can always find the words, but will they really do? Photography has become complicated for me. As well as a livelihood, it's an appetite and a sort of philosophy that can change with time, which will be different today than 10 years ago, and different again, I presume, 10 years hence. The thing that most appeals to me about it is its delicate recording of fleeting life, something which remains a constant. I'll dispense with any of the reasons for working in the way that I have over the years, the jobs and the work that had to be pursued and undertaken to pay the bills, to maintain clients and be a so-called professional. I loved most of it and respected it all. Maturing over time was a large part of it and necessary for me to find my own way in photography. I'm a photographer. That amply describes what I do. Maintaining that is enough of a challenge. I came from a small, poor country and needed to see what, what else was out there. In fact, the need to travel preceded my entry into photography. I'd already left Ireland and was living in California when that happened, already curious and wanting to see more. Photography helped me to understand the world and allowed me to respond to it in a modest way, in my own voice. As well as the magic of taking photographs and a love I developed for some of its arcane processes, light, glass, film, chemicals, it was also a kind of metaphysical calling, a path that opened up. It was an outgoing journey in the beginning that later involved a journey that took me back home. My education in it was through practice, lots of mistakes and whatever books and magazines I came across. As I was living in Northern California, I digested a haphazard mosaic of styles and approaches. The usual suspects like Cartier-Bresson, William Klein, Helen Levitt, Gary Winogrand inspired me, but also in different ways the likes of Louis Baltz, Imogene Cunningham, Lee Friedlander, Irving Penn, Rodchenko, Lartique, Ajay and Raghupur Singh. Photography always involves me going down the rabbit hole, driven by a curiosity of something beyond myself. But it's always deeply personal, because it comes from my psychology. It's seeing for myself how other people and places think and feel and operate. From this I have learned about myself. Why do we read novels or watch films if we're not interested in what it is like to experience life beyond our own? From this we compare, reflect and grow. The idea of concerning myself only with where I grew up, limited to just those people and their stories, my people, my stories, is anathema to me. 
Surely we should be enlarging our world, not shrinking our minds. Taking a photograph and living with it connects me with a force, an invisible flow. There is a mood, a state even, that takes over when it's working. It's momentary and doesn't last long before you are struggling to find your way again, and it never gets any easier. The funny thing is a photograph by its nature is always of the past. No matter how epic or banal, it's always a representation of history. What I find intriguing is that along with the sense of permanence that can come with a satisfying image, there is surprise and yet a strange feeling of inevitability. At that moment, it feels like it's always been there. It was just waiting. I look at the image and think, well, of course. And yet, I could have missed it. It's a momentary feeling of calm and alarm, and I can't explain it. But it drives me on. At its simplest and purest, that's what photography means to me. It's an attempt to share my surprise. What a fantastically eloquent and informed contribution this week. As they are, I have to say, every week, every week, I so enjoy listening to what the photographers answering the question have to say. If you're a young photographer or a photographer trying to find out which photographers you should be looking at, um, Seamus there absolutely listed the key, I suppose, reference points for any photographer, I believe, to look at. So if you aren't aware of some of those names he mentioned, do check those out. History, once again, sort of rears its head. As a, as a key element and a touch point. And I also think it's really interesting that Seamus there, who is creating such great work with PJ Harvey, as well as on his own, doesn't choose to describe himself as an artist. Although the, the work that they're creating, particularly the music videos he does for her, I think they are a, an art form. And yet he chooses to describe himself as a photographer. Perhaps that leads back to some of the things I was talking about at the beginning of this podcast, that we don't actually need to wrap ourselves in a cloak of uh, art world, um, I suppose, pretense, dare I say that word, to make our work feel more important than it actually is. If the work's important, it'll speak for itself. What also came to my mind there whilst I was listening to Seamus was to explain to you exactly what the process is by which this podcast is put together because I was listening, uh, sorry, I was talking to somebody who was a listener to the podcast recently and um, they asked me that question. So what happens is I see people's work, I read about them, and I think, yeah, they, they might be interesting to come on the podcast. I like their background story. I'm interested in them, and I'm interested in the work. No personal taste uh, applies, and that can be show, seen, I think, very clearly by the eclectic mix of photographers we have. I then send an email uh, requesting them to send me a little five-minute audio Many of the emails I send out are completely ignored. A few are responded to with a negative, And all of those who reply, I should say, with a positive uh, tend to appear on the podcast. What then happens is they send me the audio. I schedule it for an upcoming podcast, but I don't listen to it. And in fact, I don't listen to it until you do. The first time I listened to Seamus there was the moment I dropped it into the podcast. So I speak at the beginning, I drop in the podcast, and what you're hearing now is my initial reactions to what Seamus has just said. So in that sense, I suppose, I'm like you. I'm like the listener. I'm hearing that for the very first time. 
all of these contributions, as I said a few podcasts ago, are coming together for a book. Uh, Seamus's will also be included. Now that I've heard it, I can transcribe it. And uh, that book is going to be called What Does uh, Photography Mean to You? It's going to be published uh, pre-Christmas this year, 2020. It's going to be available uh, at £9.99 on a direct purchase from the publisher's website and a few select uh, outlets. And um, I hope you'll find it really interesting. All of the photographers that have contributed, well, most of them, I think there's about 88 going to be in the book, uh, over the last uh, couple of years are included, although I've had to edit some of them down to make them actually fit into the book. So maybe some of them you read in the book and then think, I just want to hear that voice. So look out for that. I'll be talking about it, obviously, on the podcast. Something else that happened uh, in the last uh, couple of weeks, I suppose the last couple of months really, was uh, an anniversary of a community-based, I suppose, initiative. I often use that word, but this really was an, an initiative by Jim Stevenson. Jim's a, a really great architectural photographer based in Brighton on the uh, south coast of England. And uh, 10 years ago now, he set up a project called Mini Clicks, and the mini click talks would happen every month. He would invite a photographer to talk about their work. It was kind of in a bar of, of a hall in Brighton, which is a very small town uh, with a lot of photographers in it. And uh, therefore, it was really easy just to walk along in the evening. It would start at, uh, I think, seven or eight o'clock. I can't remember now. And uh, there would be a talk and some drinks. And it was a really great uh, kind of vibe really about it and over the years uh, Jim had some incredible people speaking and talking about their work a lot of the work just at the very beginning so the people who would attend and it would usually be anything up to 40 50 people would turn up for these talks I was involved with it in, in a very small way and um, it's really great to see that uh, it's managed to last for 10 years Unfortunately, Jim is now stepping down from that project. But I've often used Jim's kind of passion and enthusiasm as a, as a kind of a reference point, really, to other people to start their own initiatives and their own talks. I'm sure, as Jim would uh, confirm, it's tough work, and he's put together a really supportive team of people around him, again, everybody unpaid no arts council funding or sponsors funding at all and jim and i have spoken over the years many times about the importance of putting these things on for free and not using it as some kind of a, a business model and i think jim could very easily have done that but he fought for his principles so if you are out there and you're thinking that in this kind of environment it's time to do that then why not kind of look around where you live and think of setting something up on a similar basis don't kid yourself that it's going to be easy and i think one of the great things about what jim did there was he was a he was a strong force behind mini clicks but also he was always a very good listener and he gave people space in which to work 
So many times these initiatives fall apart because of ego. And ego steps in. And when ego steps in, the whole thing falls apart and the sense of community falls apart. And maybe that idea of ego takes us back again to the Marcel Duchamp little reference I put at the beginning there, talking about the book he read, that ego is in everything that we do. And I suppose really photographers are the most egotistical of people because we feel that the way in which we see the world should be seen by others and is important enough to be seen by others. So there you go. So that's uh, Jim Stevens, uh, uh, Stevenson, I should say, not Stevens, Stevenson, uh, mini clicks uh, down in Brighton. Check them out on Twitter. I'm sure they've still got their website and I'm sure they'll also have an archive of amazing stuff for you to um, check out. A lot of you listening to this podcast, um, maybe for the first time, because I'm hearing that a lot of lecturers are recommending this podcast to their students as they start their photographic journey, their photographic education. If you are hearing it for the first time, I hope you've enjoyed it and I hope it's made you think about a few things. You can always go back through the archive and check out lots of other photographers and you'll find that themes develop. But I think one of the most important things that we all need to cling on to in these difficult times is our passion for the medium. Yes, we must be calling people out for wrongdoing, but at the same time, it's really important to praise the good, to praise the positive, and not allow ourselves to get dragged down by the negative things we see. I hear a lot of broad stroke comments, and I see a lot of broad stroke comments that the photographic industry is dead or it's corrupt. Yes, there are corrupt elements in there, but there's also an awful lot of good. There's also a lot of positive. And if you find it, the most important thing you can do is just to take care of yourself, take care of others, and also take care as a photographer. <laughs>